If you're in the market for a super addictive puzzle game, you have to check out Mini Motorways on Apple Arcade. It's a city planning strategy puzzler with an incredibly satisfying gameplay loop. Enjoy unlimited access to over 200 incredibly fun games with no ads and no in-app purchases. From puzzle and adventure games to sports, racing and multiplayer action games, everyone can count on finding something to love. Head to sifter.com.au slash arcade to start your free trial of Apple Arcade today. That's sifter.com.au slash arcade for a free one-month trial of Apple Arcade, and you'll be supporting independent video games journalism. New subscribers only, $9.99 a month after free trial. Plan automatically renews after trial until cancelled. Hello and welcome to a special episode of Mainstream. My name is Gianni. Thanks for joining me. Whether you're listening on the Mainstream feed or in the Pixelsift feed, this is a great story. It's about how a small seven or so person team have now delivered games with two big licenses, tactical strategy games, drawing on their expertise. The first game that you might have heard of them, it's not the first game they've ever made, but is Battlestar Galactica Deadlock. And they've just completed Warhammer 40,000 Battle Sector. I'm, of course, talking about Perth's Black Lab Games. Our guests on this episode are Black Lab Games founder and producer Paul Turbot and writer and designer Anthony Sweet. If you've listened to the podcast before, you know we've spoken to them a number of times, had them on the show, um, but we had the chance to visit them at their studio and ask them some questions face-to-face about how this franchise dropped into their laps about how the role of the publisher Slytherin games that they work with um, was integral and part of that and what it took to actually put this game together. I started by asking Paul how they actually got the chance to work on a Warhammer 40,000 game. So this kind of comes off the back of our relationship with our publisher Slytherin. Um, They had the the license available to make a a Warhammer game. They've made a few other games, Warhammer games in the past. Warhammer 40,000, Armageddon, Sanctus Reach, um, Gladius, a few other games have done. Uh, they have a good relationship with Games Workshop. So they um, uh, they had the license available and we were been working on Battlestar Galactica deadlock with them for a few years. And um, yeah, as that project was starting to taper down, um, they asked us if we'd be interested in doing a Warhammer game. And after thinking about it for about um, 0.1 of a millisecond, yep. um, we said, yes, we would absolutely love to do that. And yeah, and here we are. So a lot of people who are big Warhammer fans would have heard of the game, but let's take it right back to the beginning for people who may not come across it. What sort of Warhammer game are we talking about? What is uh, Black Lab uh, put out for everyone to play? Yeah, so uh, we do turn-based strategy games, um, but we try to put a bit of a, um, like a sort of exciting action presentation spin on it. Um, so it's basically a turn-based game um, where it's set in the Warhammer 40,000 universe. Uh, for anyone who's familiar with the law, um, it's set after the, the events of the devastation of Baal, which is quite a big uh, deal in the in the, the law terms. Um, so that's kind of where our game is set. And the tabletop Warhammer 40k game is a strategy game. How close is your game to the actual tabletop version uh, in terms of how it plays? Pretty close. Yeah. So um, we take a lot of inspiration from the tabletop. Um, uh, not, it's not a direct one-for-one. 
Um, but we, like the scale of our battles, the army sizes that we're dealing, um, a lot of the way that the combat resolves out, even our scoring systems in multiplayer, like we take a lot of big cues from the tabletop. We want this to feel very comfortable for tabletop players. So, yeah. yeah. And um, what was it like sort of creating or mirroring that experience um, from the tabletop game? Because I know some of my favourite strategy games in the 40K universe were real-time strategies, yeah, yeah. a lot more like your your war Warcrafts and things like that, uh, the Dawn of War series, of course. Yep. Uh, and you are obviously doing a turn-based sort of strategy, which is much more close to the mm. thing. How, could, could you make it as close to the tabletop? As, could it be a one-to-one? -one? Did you want to make it a one-to-one? -one? So a couple of things. You probably wouldn't want to anyway because mm. uh, video games have their own aspects there's, there's things that make video games video games and if you were to take a tabletop thing and, and recreate that exactly it's been done but i i think you'd be missing out on some stuff um we we're able to put a lot more sort of narrative like the campaign is, is very narrative focused um and we're able to do that to a much better fidelity i think by leaning into what makes video games video games as opposed to trying, trying to copy the tabletop um so they're, they're very different experiences and I think that's probably actually the, the best of both worlds to, to to take those cues from the from you know from the, from the, the license of the the IP. What makes it special? Take those cues, but then lean into what makes video games good. Yeah, I think like one of the things that we really strive for here at Black Lab is authenticity. Is like a pillar of everything. Like we try to make it work really well for us for Battlestar. Um, you know, like folks were like would come into Battlestar Galactica deadlock, and they would be, you know, drop the whole game name there just in case. Um, but you know, people would come into that and be like, "This feels like I'm playing an episode of a TV show." And you know, it would be remiss of us if we kind of stepped away from that. Like, authenticity is a really important thing for us as a studio. We want people to feel who are fans of that property to feel like you know, this feels the this is the experience I wanted out of Warhammer. This is the world I want to be in. You know. Um, we, we want people to be fans, like fans of the property, to be fans of our work as well. And so, yeah, authenticity is a really big thing for us. Um, tell me a little bit about the process of, uh, you know, building on what you have uh, built in the past uh, and turning it into this game. What, what were some of the core Black Lab ingredients that you could bring across and what did you need to do brand new? Mm. That's a good question. That's a very like, good question. Authenticity is the big one, which we've yeah. already just talked about. Yeah, yeah, that's, um, that's definitely underlies everything, definitely. Yeah. yeah. Um, I guess, like, so we did um, Battlestar, and then before that we did Starhammer, right? They're both spaceship combat games. So this is a, you know, miniatures on, or, you know, little characters on the, on the field. So there was some different, um, you know, technology things we had to deal with that we haven't had to deal with in past projects, um, you know, character animation, all that kind of stuff. Um, um, designing, like, environments, like in, in space, there's not a whole lot of environment. It's just, you know rocks and planets in the background and stuff. So there were some new things we had to do with that, which I think was a very interesting and exciting challenge. Um, yeah, I'd say they're probably the, the main things. How about in terms of writing the story, Anthony? How does that kind of fit into, you know, what you could do with a, a, yeah. you know, a Battlestar license versus a 40K license versus, you know, Star Hammer? It was really interesting, right? With Battlestar, like, I wanted to take the very similar approach what we did with Battlestar. So, like, with Battlestar, there's all... You have the timeline of everything from Battlestar Galactica, Deadlock, everything from the, the, the colonies of Cobol all the way through to the end of the TV show. And we find specifically where's a place where we know stories occur because they've been talked about, but we haven't yet seen them, right? Bang, that's where we want to be. And we took the same approach with this one and basically it came down to like when Paul was reading uh, Devastation of Baal, 
because um, he read he read the book first before everyone else. And then he sent me an excited message. He's like, I found exactly where our story is going to take place. It's in the second last page of the book. And basically there's a phrase right near the end of the book, which is like, because uh, Devastation of Baal, just to give a quick recap, Blood Angel is one of the main space marine forces. Their home world, Baal, is getting invaded by massive uh, fleet of Tyranids aliens for folks who aren't familiar with them called high fleet leviathan um and this is one of the major battles in the current part of the storyline with it um if the tyranids win Baal gets devoured completely overrun and the blood angels are no more um so it's a really big plot point for both of these factions plus other ones um and devastation of Baal is a book written by guy haley um particularly about that battle it goes into great detail about how dante and all the rest of the blood angels and all the um uh, all the extra successor chapters go through it all. Um, and then right near the end of the book, there's a section where like they've beaten the Tyranids off from Baal. They know everything's not completely done. And so like, and they spend a, paraphrasing, they spend a couple of weeks cleaning up Baal, Secundus and Baal. And we're like, okay, that's where our story takes place. So we've done the same thing. We find that one part where they, we know stories exist, but they haven't been told yet. Um, so that was the, that was the foundational part of writing for it. Um, but then stylistically, tonally, character development, plot-wise, completely different from Battlestar. Battlestar, you're dealing with like a lot of drama and a lot of politics and a lot of um, uh, human emotions coming out to make bad decisions. Uh, whereas Warhammer is a lot more bombastic and epic and uh, you know morality tales um, and. You know, there's a very distinct flavor and a very distinct tone to Warhammer to match, right? So it involved a lot of research. And like, if anyone's, if you're familiar with Warhammer 40K, like as soon as you log on to any of the wikis for 40K, like you go to one page and you scroll, you scroll, you scroll, 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 and you still scroll two minutes later and the page, they still haven't stopped talking about this one topic, right? Um, and then that's just one character from one faction in the entire universe kind of thing. So a lot of research. Um, and then just trying to mimic that voice, right? Try to find all the key things that makes a Warhammer character sound like a Warhammer character. Um, but yeah, basically it just boiled down to a lot of research and mimicking that tone, yeah. Is it a challenge or is it a, a good constraint to be working in a franchise that has so much lore like you've just described there? There's a lot of foundational work there that's already been, that's been done by folks for you to build off as well and good foundation work. really good foundation work yeah like the warhammer 40k has been going for decades now right all kinds of stories have been told in the warhammer 40,000 universe um it is like i would be lying if i said it's not scary because it is it is it's nerve-wracking you know um because a lot of people have a lot of expectations about what a warhammer story says and like what a warhammer story sounds like and then on top of that when you look at our particular situation where like we're blood angels who are very noble very um introspective versus tyranids who you can't even really treat them as an antagonist because they don't have a point of view other than they just want to devour everything um there's challenges there how do you tell that story um you know it, you don't have the pure protagonist versus antagonist kind of uh back and forth you would typically have um so yeah it's been it there have been challenges there but also like i've you know, I'm pretty confident that, you know, we've done pretty well with the narrative in this game. Our voice acting, like, bless our voice actors, you know, like, they sound so good <laughs> for what, you know, like, they really just 
got the essence of the Warhammer, of, of the grimness, of the determination, of the, you know, the characters who want to, who feel very um, uh, reverential, you know, they do, the characters who have got the zealous fury to them, they do, like, our actors really gave everything for them as well, and that goes a long way to helping the storytelling and to helping the story come through. Where does it, in terms of sit, how, you know, you've got a story that now exists in sort of the pantheon of, of 40K, um, were you given license to cover out your own little niche? Did you have to think of the considerations of what other greater movements are happening in the particular 40K law? How does that sort of work? Yeah, so um, the I guess the, like the, the good thing about working on this property is that the stories tend, like there's a lot of stories going on all at once, but they also, the plot moves fairly slowly. Um, like it's taken quite a while for, this part of the Warhammer 40,000 law to actually get to this point. Um, and the particular story we're telling is actually a back a bit, you know, I can't remember when Devastation of Baal was written. Um, it would have been a couple Three, of years Three, four now. years ago, yeah, I think. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's been set in stone for a while and things have moved on back there. So the chance of anyone retrospectively looking back and be like, we want to take this place where Anthony's writing, it's pretty slim. Um, but... You know, there are considerations we have to take. There's like specific characters that if we want to reference them, you know, we have to know, like we have to be able to point out exactly where they are. That's why they're here. That's why we can talk about them. Or they're not here. That's why we can't use them because someone, because if we don't, if we're not consistent with that continuity, someone else who's been reading the books, is going to be like, well, hang on a second. They can't be talking to Astaroth. Astaroth was all the way over on the other side of the galaxy at this point in time, right? Um, because... They're very good at their continuity on this kind of thing. And we need to, same as with Battlestar again, I keep on bringing it up, but there's just so many similarities between running for the two projects. Continuity and authenticity are really important. Sit down for a chat with your pals in video games. This is Mainstream by Pixel Sift. Talking of that link uh, between the two, what are some of those lessons that you learnt uh, in from making Deadlock because that was quite a long mm. development mm. process and there were expansions that kind of came out as well. Um, what are some of the lessons that you brought forward into into making this game and, and how it plays? Yeah, so one thing I'd say with um, when Battlestar came out, um, we put it out there and we hoped that someone would buy it, right? And then three years later, we finally finished working on it. So we didn't actually expect to be spending, you know, three years of, of you know, expansion and extra content after the game came out. Um, this time around, uh, We've got a base game um, and we're sort of fully expecting that we'll be able to support it for, for a period of time. And so we've definitely sort of planned for that, um, you know, to be able to continue to expand it into the future. Uh, so what we're putting out is kind of just the start and, yeah, hopefully it's going to be going for quite a while. So that's, that's probably the, the first thing that comes to mind. Um, you talked about that sort of really over-the-top, uh, very exaggerated feel of playing the game. And, and uh, you know, as someone who played 40K uh, in my youth, the feeling of collecting the army and building that up, is that something you wanted to try and capture uh, when people are playing this game, unlocking new new units, new teams, that sort of thing? Yeah, yeah, no, definitely, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You, you want people to feel familiar with this stuff as well. Like, we want uh, the Blood Angels players out in the world to rock up to the game and be like, oh, yeah, I know how these assault marines work, right? Like they should have a they should have a really easy way in. But at the same time, we also have to be honest that there's going to be folks who don't play the tabletop game, um, but they're going to want to play this, and we've got to accommodate them as well. So how do we make Blood Angels accessible to them? How do we make them like how 
how can we tell the difference between uh, make it easy for someone who hasn't played tabletop, knows the law maybe, but hasn't played tabletop, that an assault marine can do this versus an intercessor can do that? What's the difference between, uh, you know, deep diving on the Warhammer 40k stuff? How do we, how do we differentiate between a Primaris and a Firstborn kind of thing, right? What does that mean? Um, and thankfully for us, like our story specifically is dealing with Primaris being brandly introduced to the Blood Angels chapter and like what does that mean for the chapter and how do they perform differently to the firstborn units as well so like you know it's been a nice marriage there being able to tell that story of the how that how the Blood Angels specifically get reinforced with the Primaris and at the same time being like the first video game to use a lot of these Primaris hmm. units yeah. I think only one I think Dawn of War 3 had one Primaris unit they had like a Primaris chaplain or something um we're the first game that I'm aware of that you know we've got the intercessors, the aggressors, the inceptors, hellblasters. You know, um, the mobile game. Oh yeah, they probably did. Yeah, I don't know what it's called. But... First game on PC. Yeah, <laughs> there we go. And, and Xbox it. and PlayStation. Yeah. Um, what does the game actually play like? What sort of experience will people be sitting down to enjoy? Is it long campaign chapters? Is it short little missions? How, do, how does it play? Sure. So there's the, in the the campaign. So there's a different few different parts to it. There's the campaign. Uh, you got the your skirmish and then you got your multiplayer. So there's three three different things. Um, the campaign obviously very narrative focused. Um, the missions start pretty small. The first one's only like ten or fifteen minutes. Uh, and towards you get the ones towards the end, and you know you're looking to an hour to two hours to play through. Yeah. Um, I think the campaign clocks out around about sort of 30, 35 hours, depending on on you know how uh, how how much how much time you spend in it. Uh, skirmish is pretty much you know you can make whatever armies you want. Um, against whatever armies you want and there's sort of ad hoc battles and then the, the multiplayer which is i think where once you've done with the, the campaign then you go into multiplayer and you can find some people and i think it becomes hopefully a little bit more social in that you know you can find people to play with online and you can you know um uh, do that so there's a few different ways you can play multiplayer as well um uh, there's like the live matches so people both online at the same time um so you can you know, be in discord chatting or whatever and you can doing your moves and you can see the other player doing their moves um, but there's also a, like a uh, like an asynchronous mode, which I think surprised us during the beta how popular that became. Uh, and so the way that works is that um, someone sets up a match, and then you go and you choose you know, your army, and then the, someone else accepts that that challenge. Um, and you've got a number of different modes and stuff within this. Um, you go and do your move, and then uploads to a server, and then the other player, when at their convenience, then go and download downloads that turn, sees it plays out, and does their does their turn. So it means that the multiplayer uh, can fit in with your time, however, you know, however, however it suits best to play. So if you've got you know, a spare hour or whatever, and you can go and play, play a match, um, and if you've only got like 10 minutes, you can just go and download the turn, have your turn, go and do whatever. Um, and potentially you can have like multiple multiplayer matches going at, at a time, which we've all done. Uh, people with, with, with different time zones as well. Yeah, and people in different time zones can be playing each other. Um, yeah, and yeah, that's actually turned out to be something that, we kind of thought would be interesting and would be cool, um, but during the beta, actually turned out to be a lot even more interesting and cool than we, we thought. So. Yeah, it was pretty regular that I would rock up to work, and the first thing I'd be doing is I'd go check in on my asynchronous games, right? And then yeah. there'd be like 15, 20 minutes worth of multiplayer games just waiting for me. Get through those, send them off, done for the day. 
Not gonna not gonna see it again until tomorrow, but like it's still a great competitive way to play the multiplayer. Yeah. That's not exactly the newest idea because I remember playing chess by email yeah. back in the day. Yeah. And I think even Age of Empires used to be able to do it in some capacity yeah. as well. So mm. it's yeah. like really interesting that that yeah, back, same sort back of to the future has yeah. kind of come back into the thing. Yeah. Um, what is Facebook poking? Yeah, Facebook poking is what people used <laughs> yeah. to be able to exactly. Yeah. Um, what has been some of that feedback from the community that you've had that sort of shaped the development process of this game? Um, more blood. <laughs> more blood. Yeah. More which I think which we I think we did do that pretty well. <laughs> yeah, we did. Yeah. Um, oh, I mean, like with it, okay, so with any beta, the beta lasted for about five months, I think. Mm -hmm. um, you always find issues at the start. You know, there were some issues with the control systems which we fixed up. Um, obviously, balancing is an ongoing thing, yeah. and even now the game is released, it'll probably still be an ongoing thing. Um, it's kind of hard to get in, think of too many specifics, to be honest. Like it's all the just the general things you find. Um, I mean, there was there, there's always circumstances where folks, especially with the tier, like there were, we had a couple of beta testers who are tyranny players in the tabletop, and they were very quick to tell you, you know, this unit doesn't feel the way that it's supposed to feel because. You know, I'm not a Tyranid player. I am now, but I wasn't back when we first, I first started designing those units, right? Um, and so, you know, we are always on board for community feedback. It served us well in our previous games, and it's, it has served us well now in Battle Sector. Oh, yeah, Hopefully, yeah. we'll continue to do so. Huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, there's no question it's super valuable. Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. It, we're just a few hours out from when people are going to be able to play this in yeah. Maine. How are you feeling right at this moment? Nervous. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Eagle Pass, excited and terrified. Yeah, yep. yeah. Like even, even like I, for me, I don't, I'm not going to talk for Paul. I'm not going to talk for anyone else. But I know for me personally, like I get the most nervous when I see someone saying they're looking forward to it. Yeah. Because I want to meet their expectations. I want them to be happy. I want them to enjoy what we've made. You know. Uh, so yeah, quite nerve wracking. And I think you know, this weekend's going to be quite. Uh, quite nerve-wracking as well but no excited as well always yeah excited does the pressure feel different to approaching a game like this um versus uh even battlestar yes and yeah why? definitely yeah uh okay when we did battlestar we pretty much nobody knew who we were um i mean i'm not saying a lot of people do now but you know, we, were, we were very unknown right uh and there was not a lot of expectations for the project. Battlestar, like it's an awesome TV show, best TV show, still my favourite of all time. Um, but by the time we did the game, it had been off the air for like, I don't know, seven or eight years or whatever. Um, so, you know, it was the game casual fan base and, and there, wasn't, there wasn't a lot of expectations for what it was going to be. Uh, Warhammer is very active. It's arguably never been more popular. Um, we've got people that really enjoy Battlestar that have, that have that are looking forward to this game. Hmm. And so there's a lot more expectation this time than there was last time, which is not something we've actually had to deal with in the past. So it has been quite an interesting thing. Like I totally agree with what Anthony said. When someone says, I'm really looking forward to it, I'm really happy about that. It's what I've always wanted to do making from a game studio is to make stuff that people care about and that they want to play. Um, what I didn't anticipate was also the concern of like, gee, I hope it meets their expectations. And that's a big one, right? We got yeah. we got like a bunch of people who are like, they're just like, they might not be sure on one or two things about the game, but they're just like, but the Black Lab guys are making it, so like, yeah. that's that's wild to me. Like they're willing to give the give it a try just because like they trusted us from yeah. Battlestar or what someone said about Battlestar. That's yeah. yeah, it's wild. 
Thinking about where Black Lab has been over the years, um, you know, you did get a little bit of funding um, from the Australian Interactive Games Fund. Yep. How much of a difference has that made in the path of your, your studio? Uh, I've actually said this many times, um, that is the catalyst for where we are now. If we hadn't have got that, um, Black Lab would probably still be a hobby of mine, working, which I did on the, on the weekends while I worked somewhere else. Um, that, that, that small amount of funding um, was what allowed me to take this to a full-time job to get Anthony and others involved to get the publishing contract which led to Battlestar which led to Warhammer so there's a very there's a, a linear direct line from that small amount of funding to where we are now yeah. it absolutely made a difference and have you paid it back in sort of oh, many many, many many times over <laughs> yeah absolutely um, there was yes. a little bit of an announcement that came out from the federal government talking about um, uh, close to a producer credit yeah, um, yep. for studios is that sort of support helpful for a studio like yours it won't hurt Okay. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, I think the, the 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 specifics of that hasn't been worked out yet, um, and there's you know ongoing discussions about what that looks like. Um, there's still you know a consultation phase and whatever, um, but uh, yeah, I mean it's it's definitely going to help. But as long as the settings are right, yeah, mm. yeah, it will make a yeah make a difference for sure. And you're a Perth studio. Mm. Are you going to remain a Perth studio forever? Is that something about that's important to you? Because Perth is not on super on the map for making big, high-profile battlefront games. It's, it's where we live, yeah. <laughs> and that's not going to change. I think Anthony wants uh, the other Anthony wants us to move to Broome um, <laughs> for, for, the, for the weather. Um, but no, we're we're not going anywhere. Yeah. Mm. Um, what do you hope that players will get out of it if they are excited? But what do, what's the experience you want them to have um, when they sit down to play Battle Sector for the first time or for the fiftieth time? Uh, I hope the first time they play it, they just go, "Holy crap, this is awesome!" Um, and I hope that. Um, three years from now, they can still approach. They can still play the game and and enjoy it for the additions and stuff, and for the improvements it's had over the years. Yeah, I hope, I hope they find the like. I hope there's a the story resonates with people. Like I, I feel like there's a lot that's going on in this story in quite an understated way. Um, I hope they like the campaign is an experience that people thoroughly enjoy and you know, feel something from. But also, like, I hope people can do our multiplayer. Like, our multiplayer, like, in the beta testing, it's just super fun. Like, you know, like, we're going to, you know, all things going to plan, you know, hopefully we'll get a competitive scene similar to what we did with Battlestar, you know, get some casual games going. Just, like, multiplayer is fun, and I really hope people dig into it as well, yeah. Two of you are sitting here on the couch in front yeah, yeah. of you, but who is the rest of Black Lab, and what does it take to make a game like this? Uh, okay, so we're actually pretty small by international studio standards. Um, our core group of, is, is seven. Uh, there's obviously us. Um, I do production. Anthony does all the game design, writing and stuff. I've got Anthony, art director. Uh, we've got Joey, who does our, our, our most of our 3D art. Uh, we've got two programmers, Amos and uh, Matt, who are both very good at what they do. And we've got Chris, who does our, our, our QA. Um, so there's a lot of roles and stuff that bigger companies would have that we, we don't have. And we have and people doing multiple things. Uh, and then we've also got a few outsources that we work with regu regularly as well. Yeah. So we've got Ash, uh, who does all our music. Uh, yeah. We've got um, Dan, who's done all our, our sound effects and does our voice recordings and stuff. I've uh, got Ben, who does our portraits. Worked Elroy, who's our, our um, UI artist. And Brent. Brent did our narrative images. So, yeah, I think they're the main ones I can think of. Yeah, that, that's pretty much our, 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 our development team. Um, plus, we're also very well supported by Slytherin, who's our publisher. Uh, who obviously you know, help us with getting licenses and um, you know getting things to move in, in different areas where we need it to. 
Uh, and I, I, I also couldn't talk about the team without mentioning Games Workshop and how amazing they've been with their support as well. Um, actually found them amazingly good to work with, which is not, you know, what I expected, but you know, they've been they've been really great. And, um, and there's a lot of decisions that are made, a lot of little pieces that go into a project like this. What is something that you keep looking back to and think, oh, I'm really proud of that particular moment or that particular thing that we've implemented? Oh, for me, it's got to be the fact I did the odd, an odd couple set of characters. Like we've got, there's just two characters in the campaign. One of them is like the crotchety old tech marine and one is the uh, esoteric librarian dreadnought. And the fact that I just got to write an odd couple dynamic in Warhammer, I'm, I'm, I'm chuffed about. It's great. Um, so one of the beta testers uh, um, on the on the private Discord, um, they played it for the first time and they wrote, "There's so much blood, I love it." So I'm just happy we put, a lot, put heaps of blood in. Blood for the blood god. <laughs> Skulls for the skull throw. <laughs> exactly. This is mainstream by Pixel Sift. That was Paul Turbot and Anthony Sweet speaking from their offices at Black Lab Games in Western Australia. Thanks to the team there for inviting us in to have a chat to them about Warhammer 40,000 Battle Sector, which is available now on PC, published by Slytherin Games, um, and will be coming to PlayStation and Xbox down the track as well. So keep an eye out for that. You can find a video version of this story on our website. Uh, go to pixelsift.com.au. Uh, and you should be able to find it right there, or there'll be a link to it in the show notes of this episode. My name is Gianni. Thanks for joining us on this episode of Mainstream. Coming up later this week, we're actually going to be talking a little bit more about some of the games that we play. Um, we bring you two games, uh, two of the team talk about those games, their experiences with them, uh, and we talk about why we like them, why we found them challenging, why they didn't sit with us, all of that sort of thing on this feed. So if you like this, search for Mainstream in your podcast player. Hit follow. You can get every episode for free. You can find out more of what we do on the Pixel Sift website. That's pixelsift.com.au. You can read articles. You can see our other podcasts with other interviews with game developers and digital creatives as well. And you can find other cool videos that we do, like live streams. You can do that by going to pixelsift.com.au. While you're on the internet, we'd love to have you as part of our Discord community pixelsift.com.au forward slash discord come in there share your games share your creative work if you make things talk about all the cool stuff that you like to enjoy as well we'd love to have you there so pixelsift.com.au forward slash discord that's all for this episode of mainstream until next time have fun Did you know that the original Final Fantasy creator Hironobu Sakaguchi made a spiritual successor to that legendary series called Fantasian for Apple Arcade and every level in the game is a handmade physical miniature model. Enjoy unlimited access to over 200 incredibly fun games with no ads and no in-app purchases. From puzzle and adventure games to sports, racing and multiplayer action games, everyone can count on finding something to love. Head to sifter.com.au forward slash arcade to start your free trial of Apple Arcade today at sifter.com.au forward slash arcade for a one month free trial of Apple Arcade and you'll be supporting independent video games journalism. This offer is for new subscribers only $9.99 a month after free trial. Plan automatically renews after trial until cancelled.